Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of My Lord and My God, um, a show on the Eucharist and helping us grow more in love with Christ through the Eucharist. We are here with a very special guest. He is one of the key leaders of the Eucharistic Revival. He's the executive director of the National Eucharistic Congress. That's Tim Glemkowski. Welcome, Tim. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you join us after you've had an exciting morning yourself. We have as well, like right before, like it wasn't like a lot of excitement, but we we thought we'd have this big breakfast with our families exciting. and, you know, and we're making all these pancakes. We're both celiacs. Uh, and so, you know, it's a big production and we're like scurrying around and like we finished our breakfast like five minutes before we jumped on here with you. So that not as exciting as probably your morning was, but uh, it felt a little hectic. Yeah, lots of noise. So with nine children running around, it felt a little hectic. So that's ministry, family life, right? Like all of it. Yeah, this is this is a lay ministry in the church. So it's awesome. We are unapologetic yeah. about the children in the background of our audio. Always, we're like, yeah, there's kids here. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. That's great. Thank you for joining us. And um, I'm curious a little bit. We were talking about this before. Um, so what is your role within the, the Eucharistic revival that's going on nationwide? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a story. Um, so uh, I um, founded um, a, a bit ago, mid 2010s, an apostolate called the Alto Catholic Institute. My heart's always been for sort of the missionary conversion of the church that I think is sort of the uh, the important calling right now in, in front of the church is how do we, in an increasingly, you know, sort of apostolic time, increasingly secular moment, how do we propose the gospel uh, still as the answer to every question and longing of the human heart and uh, helping parishes and dioceses think around that and lead toward that kind of renewal. And I, I'd, uh, during COVID started working for at the beginning of COVID started working for Archbishop Aquila here in, in Denver as his director of strategy to help kind of at a local, that's where we live is just West of Denver and, help kind of do that, you know, work with him locally to, to cast that vision here and um, had gotten involved. I was invited to be a part of the Committee on Evangelization and Catechesis by Bishop Andrew Cousins, who's the new chairman in fall 2020. And it, they were just starting to talk about this project that they were calling the Eucharist, beginning to call the Eucharistic Revival. And it had actually been started by Bishop Barron when he was the um, committee chairman. Um, so before Bishop Cousins had even come on, the Pew Research study had come out showing sort of a critically low percentage of Catholics believing in the real presence. And, you know, the really that in the, that November 2019 with the bishops, it was like they were buzzing about it in Baltimore, that their plenary assembly that fall and said, you know, we need to do something collectively to sort of address this fundamental issue. And you know, yeah, COVID hit. So the plans got kind of slowed down. Bishop Cousins rolled onto the committee. He invited me to be one of the lay consultants. There's six lay consultants to the Committee on Evangelization, Three Men, Three Women. And um, so from the beginning was kind of involved in this project and really began, be, just became captivated by what I felt like. Um, again, my whole heart is sort of for the missionary conversion of the church. And I really think this is what God is inviting the church to right now in order to help that journey, like to to bring new life, you know, mission flows from identity. We get our identity from the relationship we have with Jesus in the Eucharist, right? As a church and individually. So, um, the, uh, 
November, June 2021, the bishops voted collectively to have a Eucharistic revival, a three-year initiative, this grassroots movement, every diocese, every apostolate operating, you know, one banner, one clarion call together. Super exciting. And formed an executive team for that revival that I, I was part of. And, and so just kind of continue to be uh, excited, enthused, encouraged by this. And then November 2021, the bishops voted to have the first National Eucharistic Congress since 1941, a gathering of dozens of thousands of people, you know, kind of an evangelistic summit, a moment of encounter leading to mission and to form an independent 501c3 to do that. And I had flown out to Baltimore for uh, the, our committee meeting and had flown back to Denver and drove to the office right away, the chancery. Uh, you both know uh, diocesan life, right? It's always going. So it was like, you know, Tuesday morning number, and, but I remember, or Wednesday morning. And I, watched, I had to watch the vote, though, because I was like, is this going to pass? Are they going to have this big National Eucharistic Congress? And I was really convicted that we needed to, that like it was a key part of this whole. Um, and I was watching the vote on my laptop in my in my office. And it was one of those. There's probably only been a few times in my life where God's spoken that clearly. But he said, you know, I want you to take uh to apply for that, to take that role, but to apply for that role. Um, and uh, I just, it was like, you know, kind of floored by it. And I, I love my job with the, with working with Archbishop Aquila. He's, you know, been a great spiritual father for me, but I, I went and talked to him and I was like, Hey, I, I think I'm supposed to, do, I think I'm supposed to do this, you know? And he really helped me discern and stuff. So that's, that's kind of, I've had, I've, I've worn multiple hats, uh, I guess with the Eucharistic revival and I'm really honored to just be part of this, what I think is sort of a generational moment for the church in the United States. That's really yeah. beautiful, yeah. especially that he like told you, you know, I've kind of appointed you to be a pretty big part of this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, it felt like, a, a um, yeah, I don't know. And, and here even, you know, with the National Eucharistic Congress, like in Denver, we're the product of an event, right? Like our local church has been incredibly blessed by World Youth Day 1993. It left a real crater like impact here. And so many apostolates you talk to that have started here because of World Youth Day 93 or or priests and their vocations, right? Like and and there was this moment I think within the calling of saying like I've shown you this and like I've shown you what this kind of moment can do for a church. Like it can really serve to, I, I think in many ways, the new evangelization was really launched at that world youth day in 1993. Like John Paul, you know, the, the famous stories, he kind of prophesied, right? Like this is, you know, Denver's going to have a certain kind of a key role and we, which we love, we love that here in Denver, right? We make sure whether he said it or not, we make sure everybody knows that we think he said it. So uh, no, just kidding. But, um, but unfortunately that same blessing has not Fallen upon the Denver Broncos. The Broncos. <laughs> uh, That's right. Well, we had right after that were the Elway years, though. I think right. Didn't well, he win that's a, true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It, it's then, these. Uh, yeah, we lost. Situation. We lost the blessing. That's true. Yeah. It was like <laughs> a probably like a. Um, now I'm a Chicago Bears fan because that's where I'm from, but. I, we, we're, we're struggling with our kids right now because they're going to grow up in Denver. Like, do I subject them to my Chicago fandom or do I let them <laughs> have the same fandom as their friends? But, uh, yeah, no, maybe it's like maybe it's like one of those like Israel things where they've sort of lost the covenant or something because they, <laughs> yeah. the, but yeah, they're hurting right now. But yeah, so this event had such a huge, you know, and, and I really I really I feel like that this this National Eucharistic Congress, like it's it's way more than just an event. This is like the moment that the Lord wants to do something and send his Holy Spirit on, on the church of the United States in a new way. Absolutely. leading to a renewed missionary sending. And so all of that was part of that calling. It was kind of wrapped up in it where it was like, yeah. And and then a certain sense of like God saying, um, I, I want you to go, I want you to go be part of doing that. So. 
That's great. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so kind of with that, we're obviously talking about the Eucharistic revival for those who are listening, who may not have, you know, both feet in diocesan ministry or parish ministry and, and haven't heard of this. What is the Eucharistic revival? Yeah, no, it's a good question, right? I'm, I'm, I'm way off the deep end and we're like, we got, no, there's probably okay. some- oh, well, I think it's a good question too, because recently um, a mutual friend of ours on Facebook posed this question. Yeah. Ha- has anyone outside of diocesan ministry heard about heard of the Eucharistic revival. And I know you, res- you, you responded. And, and so that, that's kind of also where I, where this question comes from is how, what does it mean for the average layperson? How can the average layperson help? Cause I know it is in phases, which I'm sure you'll uh, outline, but like, what is it and how can we help? Yeah, no, it's awesome. So it's, it's the right question. Yeah. So it's um, a three year uh, process or um, initiative or movement is the word we've been using, right? Because um, it's really an invitation that we think God has issued to the church right now to Eucharistic revival that we're kind of being called to respond to, right? And the bishop's taking the lead and sort of putting that call in front of us all, like based on their discernment, but then all of us sort of responding in our own ways and within our own spheres of influence and context. And so, yeah, the three-year process, there's kind of a different focus for each year. So the first year is the diocesan year, focused on leadership engagement, diocesan leaders, clergy, all of us being invited to a renewed personal encounter ourselves, kind of to to discover, rediscover and rekindle that living relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, then begin planning for, you know, how will we carry out this work, right? And so the, the crux of the vision is, um, right, like the world is uh, hurting, and um, that's obvious, right, in so many ways that there's just we live in interesting times uh, and there's a lot going on, right, to just put it all very simply and benignly and mm-hmm. sort of like the church has a mission to the world, right? Like it's been said by some, right, the church doesn't so much have a mission as the church is a mission, right? What is that mission? Well, it's to extend the life and the life to the full found in her moral teaching and in her sacramental economy and in her, you know, um, doctrine, right? Like everything the church has and is, is, is about a gift that God has extended to man to mankind, uh, to humankind of a relationship with him. And the, that life giving relationship would be the life and life to the full that we were born for, right? That we had in the beginning that we lost and that he's restored us to in, in, in Christ Jesus. So the church extended into history is always supposed to like bring that like we, that's why we exist right and so if there's problems in the world or if there's hurt in the world or if there's pain in the world like we are god's plan for how he wants to address those things like people so many times say like well what you know where's god in the midst of this and it's like well he sent it he sent a church right like whether those are spiritual or corporal or whatever those those you know hurts are and so the church herself though right now is you know, is hurting, right? Like um, scandal and division and uh, the impact of COVID and, um, you know, so many different things, right? So it's like, how does Jesus breathe new life into his church so that we can be on mission for the life of the world? What's well, through the mm-hmm. Eucharist, right? So it's just the yeah. simple invitation back for everyone, right? If they're a believer in Jesus in the Eucharist and a daily man, well, come deeper, right? Like into the right. fullness of the calling God has for your life. If you are a Catholic and you don't believe, in the Eucharist, maybe because you haven't been presented that doctrine or haven't been presented it compellingly or haven't been invited into that personal encounter, that relationship. Well, that's your next step. Or if it's 
the de-churched, unchurched, you know, how are you being invited deeper? So kind of in three years, yeah, those like successive concentric circles of, mm-hmm. of you know, uh, of closeness, proximity to Jesus in the Eucharist, all of us are being called to kind of come in deeper to that center of gravity, the still point of the turning universe. And so, yeah, the first year of the diocesan year about leaders and, and believers and those of us who, you know, have that relationship coming deeper and being healed, unified, converted, formed so that we can be sent. The second year is about the parish, the parish year, you know, and, and those in the pews and, uh, you know, those kind of key opportunities, right? There's, there's a lot, there's people who you'll ask, do you believe in this doctrine? And they'll say, yes. And then you say, do you go to mass every week? And they'll say, no. Yeah. Well, that's a, pro- that's a problem, you know, like, yeah. so problem a, and then there's people who you say, uh, do you, do you go to mass every week? And they say, yes. And you say, do you believe in this doctrine? And they say, no, Yeah. <laughs> also a problem, you know? Right. So it's like, how do you address those two issues? That's really like the heart of the parish year. Um, and then the third uh, year is really that year of so many people either grew up Catholic and have fallen away, have never really been invited into this relationship. And how do we go to those peripheries and invite that? So this three-year process, each with a focus, um, of the three years. And then at the end of the second year is sort of the, one of the kind of key, you know, um, milestone moments, which is this first National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis in 2024, that summer, just like a hundred thousand person gathering um, of, uh, you know, a chance to encounter Jesus personally in a new way and be healed ourselves and be sent on mission. So it's sort of this like the bishops basically saying like, hold the phone, stop everything, you know, pause. If we haven't, if, 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 this is if this is the source and summit of our life as a church, right? Everything that we're heading toward with everything we do and from which everything comes, like without which we do not exist. And and there's a, a lot of people who are Catholic and the, many who are not Catholic, right? Who or, or even more who are not Catholic, perhaps who don't have a living relationship with Jesus, in the Eucharist. Let's start there before we do anything else. So that is the Eucharistic revival is kind of that whole thing, but it's really about local creativity. It's not about, okay, great to fix that problem. Here's one, two, three, four, like do these four things and we'll all, you know, right. the magic eraser or something like, uh, it really, it's just about casting this vision, putting some of these principles in front of, you know, diocesan leaders, parish leaders, clergy, um, and saying, all right, like based on your sphere of influence that God has given to you, mm-hmm. how is how is Jesus, how is the Holy Spirit calling you um, in this area? So for us as lay people, um, I think it's critical for us to really recognize like um, if this is a true grassroots movement, then becoming part of our part of it ourselves um, is really important. And you kind of asked how it's different each year, right? Like next year, getting involved with the parish is going to be key this year to me. Like if there's people listening, the th- two things I want you to invite you to is be like, we have a, a place to sign up on the um, website for the newsletter. And if you do that, you'll get information on what it means. We're going to launch in January, what it means to become a Eucharistic missionary, which is sort of how we want to build grassroots momentum of people who are just committing to a depth of prayer, of formation and of, you know, apostolic outreach service in some way to really be a part of this movement. Like we want people who feel like I I, I believe in this vision. I belong to this vision, right? Like I'm about this and I want to be about this in my life. And I want to put some like sand underneath my feet for this vision. And so I want to commit to it in a unique way, in a simple way, right? Nothing complex, um, but like I, I want to be part of what the church is calling to right now. And one of the key things that we're launching first 
a lot of that those Eucharistic missionaries are doing is that they're building up an intercessory prayer effort, right? Because revival revival is not something that like you and I do, right? We just come up with our brilliant, we've got all of our theology degrees. And so we know everything the church needs. And so we just come up with a plan and we figure it all out. Revival is something God does. He invites his church to new life. And the way we open ourselves to that is that we prevail in prayer over a period of time and say, Lord, we want this, right? Like turn your You're face. in to- our language. I feel like that's what we yeah. always say. We're yeah. like, before you do anything, get a prayer team praying for this effort. Right. Yeah. Because I, I think that's something we miss. Like there's all these efforts out there. And and before we started recording, we, we were having this conversation too. There's all these ministries. There is a lot, there are a, num- a growing number of apostolates. There's this program and that program. And, and we tend to kind of look at those things as maybe that's the answer, but we forget what's right in front of us. The person that knows how to renew the church mm-hmm. is already there. And he's been here the, there the whole time. His name is the Holy spirit. You know, when we, when we, we look at the book of acts when the church encounters difficulty what do they do? They go in the upper room, Acts 15. They go again, the upper room, the mm-hmm. council. What's the decision? It seemed good to us. And who? The person we always forget, the Holy Spirit. Let the Lord lead and guide this effort. He inspires it. Mm-hmm. He is the one that brings about the movement. So I love how that that is right at the yeah. center. It's right at the start. And I know we signed up, Kara and I, to be a part of that effort. And I know you have some events for people that sign up to do, to be a, a, a prayer warrior for the effort. And I think that that's, yeah. that's awesome. Cause that's where the focus needs to be. We forget John 15, five abide in me. I and you apart from me, you can, you do can't nothing. do anything, mm-hmm. but I, I love the next line. It's abide in me and you will bear fruit. Mm-hmm. So the key is the interior life. It, it starts with us in relationship with Christ. And then from there, moves like that's the most grassroots of grassroots movements is my own heart (laughs) you know i think that being rooted in the interior life i think that's something that like even in the stages that you're talking about each year uh, it's diocesan parish and then individual like i see what i what i would caution against for people listening is like okay, I work for the diocese. It's our year. Let's come up with a plan. It's like, no, pause that go to adoration. Mm -hmm. So instead of focusing on like, I'm a parish leader, my job this year is to come up with a plan for next year. It's like, no, it's not. It's to grow more in love with Christ. So go love the Eucharist. Yeah. I love that too. I heard you, I heard you on a podcast recently and you said you were, you were talking about, it was a podcast for Catholic speakers, so to speak. And, um, and you said the church has enough employees and I think that's the same thing with with our plans is the church has enough folks throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know, it it's rooted in prayer and we have to start there. So I love that 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 is the foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along those lines. Yeah, I, I really I'm convicted about that, even in my own career in ministry, like to hold it really lightly and just kind of say, like, unprofitable servant that I am. I'm doing what God has called me to do. And the moment I'm no longer needed, like. Otherwise, I think what we do is, yeah, we create plans that are more about protecting our spot than they are about like really what does God need? And and that's it. Like even, you know, yeah, like this revival isn't going to isn't just about yeah the institutional church or the, you know, like sort of like the, the, the like just kind of coming up with new initiatives or like keeping us busy. Like it's a genuine call to revival. And that, that depends on um, kind of like you said, like I think the way we work sometimes in or out of professional ministry like as even is like um like Jesus said right like I, I will not leave you orphans and we we 
we act a lot like orphans sometimes in my experience. Like, yeah, it's like, well, now it's all up to me. Like, mom, you know, mom and dad are gone. Right. So now it's my, it's, it's my job to, to do this. I have to fix this. I have to figure this out. Yeah. And we have, like Jesus wants these, you know, discouraging trends or statistics or whatever, like, you know, the Lord wants vitality for his church more than we want it. But what it, what it does take and what it demands is, um, surrender. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, we can't just say, all right, Lord, you go do it. We have to say, uh, <laughs> you know, nothing but you Lord. And so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going right. to, I'm going to just kind of like, just use me like, you know, we, we have to find a way. This is what the saints know how to do. Like the reason that fruitfulness actually comes in their life is that like what abiding means is a certain loss of uh, like my my life is no longer my own. You, you didn't yeah. choose me. I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit that would last, Jesus says. Right. And so it's like I love the musical Les Mis. We're a musicals family. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a terrible singer, <laughs> but but Deb Glimkowski loves musicals. So we. Uh, my little sister is named Christy after Christine from the fan of the opera and nice. all this nice. stuff. So that, you know, so we, we were raised on a, a steady diet, right? And I love the line from Les Mis, Jean Valjean, where he says, my soul belongs to God. I know I made that bargain long ago. Right. And it's like fruitfulness depends on that, whether we're lay people right. or, or working in ministry or clergy, like it means that we've kind of hand. And so that's when revival comes when people yeah. actually spend time you know, showing God and, and, and acting like he wants this, he wants renewal. And then, so what that means is that we're going to have confidence in him enough confidence that we can actually surrender to his action and then get behind that and push it. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you that to me, that thing, yeah, you, like you said, we're, we're starting this month to gather some of those groups of intercessors together and um, kind of commission them to, continue interceding and sharing with us what they're hearing in prayer. And yeah. that's probably the piece of this that I'm weirdly like the most excited about. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's great. Awesome. Well, Tim, we are out of time for this first episode, but I think that's actually a really beautiful place to stop. So if you are listening to the first episode with, with our guest, Tim, we're going to have another one next week. So please tune into that as well. If you are listening, um, the key to this revival of the heart um, and growing more in love with Christ through the Eucharist is prayer. So please, please go to pray in front of the Eucharist yourself, but also pray for this effort, this nationwide effort. Um, and tune in next week as we continue to talk with Tim Glimkowski.